Wouldn't it be great if the Bible were like Alexa? You know, this like fancy little high-tech gadgety thing with a lady voice where like you can ask her any question and she'll just spout out an answer. Like, hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Will my mouth still freeze shut when I go outside? Or who won the game? I don't care who won the game, actually. Alexa, just order me a pizza. Wouldn't that be awesome if the Bible was like that? Well, it's not. The Bible is not your own personal little Alexa machine. Happy New Year. The Bible's not like Alexa. The Bible is not a simple little instructional manual. The Bible is not a find an easy answer book. The Bible's not a pick a verse that I can just use on other people to get them to behave in the manner I want them to. And when we treat the Bible that way, we really misuse it. We mangle it. We make it say things it never said. And we miss, possibly, its message altogether. The Bible is not Alexa. The Bible is this grand, beautiful, confusing, mysterious story about the life and the work of God in the world. And and it's about his invitation to us to join him in that life and in that work. And so, you know, as we turn for these next four weeks as a church to this four-week series on friends and family, we as a teaching team did not like say, hey, Alexa Bible, what's, what's three easy steps to like being a good family member? And she yelled back like, bibbidi-boppidi, like there's the three things you got to do. I mean, that's just not how it works. And the truth is, if you want to be super honest and think about this idea of family, which we do almost every January as a church body, uh, Jesus said some really strange and hard things about family. He really did. Uh, But what we need to do is look at Jesus' teachings as a whole. Look for these universal truths that we can find for followers of Jesus. And these truths then can be applied to all kinds of circumstances, even to the modern American family. God bless her dysfunctional soul. So we as a team, a teaching team, these next four weeks, we're going to look look at family through the lens of friendship, and we're going to ground ourselves in some teaching of Jesus from the Gospel of John, chapter 15. And Jesus is talking to his closest friends, really what he would maybe consider to be his family, and he's sharing with them some final words before he goes to the cross. So we're going to dig through that, and then we're going to talk a little bit about one certain part of family life that I think all of you might find interesting. So this is what Jesus says, John 15, starting with verse 9. Jesus says to his closest followers, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Jesus is saying to his followers, just like my father loves me, and my father loves me intimately, personally, deeply, unconditionally, and eternally, just as my father loves me, so I love you. 
This is our only starting point in life, my friends. I don't know for those of you who were back with us at the gathering in the fall, if you remember that we started this year with this one grounding idea, and that is that we are deeply loved. You, each one of you, are deeply, deeply loved. Jesus goes on. Now, he says, now that you know this, now that you know that I love you in the same way my father has loved me, remain in my love. Sometimes we know the word there, uh, abide, abide in my love, which is a word no one uses except in the church. We don't know what it means. What Jesus is saying is, make yourself at home there. Make yourself at home in my love. You know, walk into it, let your hair down, take your makeup off, loosen your tie, put your comfy jeans on, put your best sweatshirt on, take your shoes off, put your feet up on the coffee table, and stay put. Make this place, this place in which you are deeply loved, the place from which you live. Don't leave home. Then he says... I, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you keep my commands, do what I say, you will be able to stay home. Just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. So one of the ways we stay put in the love of Jesus is we do what he says. Verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy might be in you and that your joy may be complete. He's saying to his disciples, I'm not telling you these things. Because they're bad. I'm telling you these things because what I want for you is so good. I want you to have complete joy. Here's the kicker though. Okay? Jesus says, I love you as my father loves me. Now stay there. Do you know how? Do what I command. And what does he command? Here it is. Here's the big moment of this whole saying of Jesus. Verse 12. My command is this, he says. Love each other as I have loved you. That's it. This is Jesus' one special command. And I, I can't, I can't impart to you the strength in which the original language that Jesus says this in, uh, uh, implies how strong this is. That's a terrible sentence. Uh, in the Greek, it's as if Jesus is saying, this is the my. This is the my. This is the one big thing I want you to know. Love each other as I have loved you. But then he adds a little hot sauce to this command, verse 13, where he says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. Now he's about to go to the cross. They don't know that yet, but that's what is about to happen. And so... You know, eventually, when they listen to these words later, they might be thinking, "Uh uh-oh, wait a minute, Jesus. You're saying that for me to live in your love, to obey your one big command to love others, it's going to cost me something? Just like it cost you? Yep, Jesus says, yep, but do it anyway. Because it's worth it. Because of the joy that will come. And then he says this, verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command. 
You're my friends. If you do what I command. And then he gives this last statement. I no longer call you servants. Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. The Bible is not Alexa. But it does answer this one question. If I claim to follow Jesus, how am I supposed to treat other people? Jesus says to those who follow him, you are loved by me in the same way I am loved by my father. Now, I ask you to do two things now that you know that. One, stay put in that love. And then love those around you, even your family, in the same way that I have loved you, with a costly kind of love. Do that, and you will be my friend. So what does that look like in our families today? And I especially want to look at the question this morning, what does that look like in the relationship between parents and adult children? How do I follow Jesus and live out his commands in this really unique transitional time in the life of many families? Because it's a transition, just like Jesus was making this transition with his disciples. You're no longer servants, but you're my friends. There's these transitional times in families. And when our kids grow up and become adults, it's one of those transitions. And it's a precarious transition. My friends, if you remember it from your own childhood or you're going through it now or parents, you remember when it happened. When our kids are starting to become adults, at least from my perspective, because I'm in the messy thick of it right now, it is very, very dangerous. It can be a little bit like what happened to me over Christmas break. I bought myself a new knife All my old knives were dull, and it was time to transition to a new knife. New knife, new season of life, happy wife. That's what I say. Here's a picture of the knife. Look at that bad boy. That's a Miyabi knife, friends, where far eastern elegance meets exceptional sharpness. So it was Christmas Eve, and we were preparing for our whole family to come over, and I had the Glee Christmas soundtrack on, and I was singing, We Need a Little Christmas, and I said to myself, let me get out that Miyabi knife early and use it while I prepare this Christmas Eve dinner. And my adult kids who were home said to me, all of them, don't do it, Mom. Don't get out a brand new Miyabi knife where Far Eastern elegance meets exceptional sharpness on Christmas Eve. For you will surely cut yourself. And I said, you be quiet. You know I'm a grown woman. I'm not stupid enough to cut myself. Okay, take it off. Take it off. And and Chuck had to go dig that part of my finger out of the kale salad. (laughs) Okay, take it off. That's all. Isn't that awesome? (laughs) See, the transition from parenting children to parenting adult children is like buying this Miyabi knife. There's so much potential for really great things to happen. But at the same time, if you're not careful, 
If you forget that you just got a new knife and you start chopping kale like you think you're an iron chef, there will be blood, my friends. There is so much potential in this stage of family life for great good, but also for great damage on both sides. And wouldn't it be great if the Bible were like Alexa and we could just say to her or to it, please give me three easy steps to parenting adult children. Alas, it is not. So instead, we do the harder, richer work of reading the Bible, immersing ourselves in it, looking at Jesus' teaching about love, and we ask, how does this apply? So I was doing that over Christmas. I was thinking about this, and all of a sudden, I looked around and noticed I was surrounded by young people uh, ages 22 to 34. And so I got this incredibly brilliant thought. Let me ask them what they would like from their parents as they continue to become adults. And I thought to myself, wow, how did it take me so long to ask my own grown kids this question? I would have saved myself a lot of pain. So as I listened to them, this top 10 list started to form in my mind. Here it is for 2018, my top 10 list for when kids become adults. And if this is not you right now, Trust me, these rules are good for any relationship we're in. First, first, number 10, the top 10 list. Make the transition, friends. When kids start to become adults, we all must make the transition or there will be blood. Parents, we must move away from overt parenting. Like Johnny, put your coat on, it's cold toward more of a consultant role, more of a friendship role. And for some of us, this is really, really hard. We spend our whole life telling our kids to brush our teeth, their teeth. (laughs) Or brush our teeth. And young people, you know, you're moving out into the world. You're learning to land on your own two feet. Can I just tell you, it's okay to have your own life. Parents, some of us need to get a life. Your grown kids desperately want you to have your own life so that you don't try to live their life for them. Doing that is always a recipe for this. Number nine, parents, be honest about your own life. This was the first thing my kids said to us. Thank you for being honest about your own life. Those places, mom and dad, where you struggled, where you failed, where you were confused, where you made your bad choices. And you know why they want us to be honest about that? Because it helps our growing up kids to not feel so bad about their own times of confusion, doubt, messing up in darkness. My kids have a favorite story of their dad when he was in his 20s. We had just gotten married And I don't know what was going on. Chuck was living in angst about his life. So he went outside of our apartment, just laid down on the sidewalk, stared at the sky in the darkness. I think now maybe it's because he was married to me and he realized. (laughs) They love that story because it helps them know that when they want to go lay outside and stare at the sky and wonder what on earth is going on in their life, they're not alone. Young adults, ask your parents about their life. They're probably a lot more interesting than you think. (laughs) Number eight, listen. 
or I should really say, try to become good listeners. Parents, do not preach. Do not give advice unless your grown children beg for it. Talk less. Ask open-ended, genuinely curious questions, not manipulative questions disguised as advice. Ain't nobody got time for that. can tell you that right now. Parents, practice maintaining a friendly but neutral facial expression. Easier said than done. I talked about this when my kids were teenagers and they would get in the car after a day at the public high school and announce to me who got what pierced on their body. And I was like, I need this face at a whole new level now. Parents, plan ahead for what your face will look like when your adult children says to you, your adult child, uh, my boyfriend is a practicing, hmm, fill in the blank. I am quitting college to become a bartender. My husband and I are going to give birth to our first child in a snowbank. <laughs> We're moving to Istanbul. I am going to tattoo my entire back with a photo of my dog. Whatever it is, listen, shut your mouth. Put a friendly look on your face and have a set response like, wow, tell me more about that. <laughs> if you do not do this, your growing up young adult kids won't be honest with you about your, their life. They just won't. If your young adult calls in crisis, listen. Help them think their way to their own solution. Young adults, if you want to call your parents but don't want advice, start the conversation by saying, Hey, Mom, hey, Dad, I don't want your advice. <laughs> Can you just listen to me? Okay, those are my top three. Ten, nine, eight. Back to Jesus for a minute. John 15. You are loved by me. Now stay put. How? Love others as I have loved you. Then you are my friends, okay? You are loved, stay put, love. You are loved, stay put, love. You are loved, stay put, love. Okay? Number seven. No guilt trips. Parents, don't make your grown kids feel guilty about not being in touch. Dude. It only makes them not want to be in touch. Also, my grandma used to slip me a 20 if I would write her a letter, so there's that. <laughs> She'd slip it sideways. Kids, if we call too much, ask us to text. If we text, answer us or we will assume you are dead. <laughs> call your parents sometimes for no reason except to say, Hi, I love you. You raised me pretty well. I am alive. Thanks. Simple. Number six, it is okay to have healthy boundaries. And by that I mean you are in charge of how other people get to treat you. And you are in charge of how and when you will engage with them. Jesus had boundaries, even with his own, especially with his own family. 
Young adults, if your relationship with your parents has been or is toxic, it is okay to love your toxic parents from a distance. Parents, it is okay to have boundaries with your growing up and grown up kids if they are in a toxic stage. It is okay to say to your grown kids, no, you cannot ask me for money every week. Frank, it's time to find a job and get your own apartment. No, you cannot talk to me that way. It is time to get off our cell phone bill, Sally. You are 45. <laughs> okay. Healthy, appropriate boundaries are often the best way to love as Jesus loves us. Number five. This was the biggest aha for me. This was the one that stopped me in my tracks. Don't take your adult children's decision about how they are living their lives personally. Parents, your young adults' choices, views, beliefs, and life are becoming their own. Their choices are not a direct slam against yours. And when you take them personally, it stresses your adult kids out and makes them not want to talk to you. Give them space to become themselves, not some miniature version of you. Young people, you don't have to burn your folks' house down to build your own. You get what I'm saying? Respect our views, our beliefs, our way of life. You can make your own. You should build your own. But you can still respect and honor ours. Number four, work hard to have safe conversations about faith. Both sides of the aisle on this one. If there was a Miyabi Knife Award for the most dangerous topic that happens, I have to be very careful about how I'm using this finger. Um, most dangerous topic award, this would be it. Why can't we have safe conversations with our young adults about faith without someone bleeding? I mean, some of us can. Some of us do this, and this is great. But so many of us don't. Parents, stop demanding that your adult kids think and believe exactly as they did when they were seven. Lots of our becoming adult kids are doing the age-appropriate process of asking hard questions, of pushing away from their parents, of trying to discern their own beliefs, and it is often a long and winding journey. Why do you think so many of our new members are youngish adults who are coming back to church after an absence? Why do you think that's true? Because they have been on a journey. So let your child or your newly formed adult have their own faith journey without freaking out. God's not freaked out. But young adults, don't announce to church, at, at church to your parents that you are a freshly born atheist. It's not going to go well if you do that. Parents... Don't call your college-age child and tell them that if they don't go to church, they're going to hell. This is not helpful communication. 
And it's not true. When it comes to faith, if we're honest, we're all on a journey. Aren't we? So let's cheer each other on with love and grace and stop freaking out. Number three, almost done. Be kind. (laughs) Right? Becoming an adult is hard. I wouldn't relive my 20s for $1 billion. But being a parent of young adults, which often means we are aging and we're often walking alongside our own aging parents, so being a parent of young adults is also hard. So be kind. Number two, laugh. Even in the darkest moments. Great theologian Karl Barth said, laughter is the closest thing we have to the grace of God. My oldest daughter hates my decorating, which one Christmas completely tanked me because she came home and looked around and said, do you like anything in here? (laughs) Caused me to throw some plastic flowers down the basement steps that year. So this year I tried a totally minimalist approach to decorating, except for her bedroom, where I... I found this one $2 item from Goodwill. I call this bad boy Sexy Santa. (laughs) He glows. If you put a candle in his back, all the stars on this guy light up. I put him in her room just to keep the vibe light. And it worked. Kids, your parents are your own special version of crazy. Right? Right? So giggle about it. It's not all that bad. Number one, apologize. This covers a multitude of sin. Parents, tell your adult kids you were just learning as you went. Listen to them if they want to talk about ways they were hurt when they were growing up. Be willing to admit you really messed up. I had such rules for my eldest No sleepovers if there's a PG-13 movie. I don't care if you're 16, you can't go. By the time William, my youngest, was a teenager, I'd go up to bed and just yell out, Don't be dumb! (laughs) So all I can say to my oldest is, I'm sorry. And sometimes she says to me, Mom, I'm sorry too. And those moments are the sweetest. So that's it. Make the, ooh, put that back up. (laughs) Make the transition. Be honest. Listen. No guilt trips. Have boundaries. Don't take it personally. Be safe about faith. Be kind. Laugh and apologize. Now, quick note for people who are in real pain here. Because I get that for some of us, this top 10 list isn't helpful and it's not very funny. So if you are in this stage of family life or not in this stage of family life, but you're in real pain, I don't fully get it, but I can imagine. Just a couple quick words. Be honest about your pain or your stress or your struggle. Don't deny it. Don't try to hide it. It takes too much energy to do that lean into the church lean into trusted friends lean into God 
Orchard wants to be a place of great safety where we can all be brutally honest about what is actually true in our families. And if you think for a second that everyone else here, or even any of us who stand up front, has perfectly formed adult kids who've never gotten in trouble or lost their way or rejected their faith or skipped school or had an eating disorder or sold drugs or smoked pot or got arrested, do you want me to continue? If you think those things are not true about everybody else here at this church, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. So here's the truth for all of us this morning. Jesus loves us in the same way he is loved by the Father. Stay home in that love. How? By loving the people around you, especially your family, especially your becoming adult kids, even your trying their hardest parents. Love them, even if it costs you an arm or a leg or part of a finger. And when you do that, Jesus says, you're my friend. And being Jesus' friend, it's a really, really great thing to be. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you that you want to be our friends. And thank you that your word is true about family life, no matter what stage we're in. I pray that something I said this morning was helpful to someone. Amen.